0: Chapter 39 of Carpenter's Geographical Reader, North America. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Betty B. Carpenter's Geographical Reader, North America, by Frank G. Carpenter. Chapter 39 Among the Indians we find indians not only in the hop fields of washington but at the railway stations in the west where they have come to sell deer and buffalo horns and moccasins made of skins and embroidered with beads what queer people they are and how sober they look as they squat or stand about the depots with their merchandise in their hands their faces are of a reddish or copper color this is why they are called the red race they have long, coarse black hair, straight noses, high cheekbones, and black eyes. Both men and women part their hair in the middle and wear it long. But where are the feathers which we usually see on the Indian's head in the pictures? Very few Indians wear feathers in their hair in times of peace. Indians now dress much like white people, except that they have gaily colored blankets over their shoulders. Some of the men wear soft hats, and nearly all of them have on pantaloons the women or squaws wear dresses, but their heads are bare. Some of the women have curious bundles on their backs. The bundles look like bags or boxes made in the shape of a little coffin. There is a squaw who is turned about, and we can see her bundle more plainly. Notice that hole in its top and the odd little brown head peeping out of it that is an Indian baby or papoose. See how sober it is it turns its head about but it does not cry indian babies seldom cry though you would think that being squeezed up in that cramped position would make them do so when the mother goes home she takes the baby off her back and stands its curious cradle up against a log or the side of the house until she is ready to take it again but where do the indians come from when columbus discovered america there were indians all over this continent they were the only people on this side of the world there were not very many of them however and it is said that there were not half as many indians in our entire country as there are now people in chicago when our forefathers landed on the atlantic coast they made treaties with the indians by which they got some land then there were indian wars and step by step the white people crowded the indians westward they made other treaties by which they paid the indians for more and more of their lands until now all of the country which the indians have left is not much more than half as large as the state of texas this land is chiefly in the west and a large part of it is among the rocky mountains it is divided up into many tracts called reservations each reservation belonging to one tribe or nation of indians there are many such reservations in different parts of our country the largest of all being in the Indian Territory. And are there many different kinds of Indians? Yes, indeed. All Indians are by no means alike. If the boys of the different Indian tribes were to come together, they could no more understand one another than American boys could understand the language of German, French, or Italian children. There are more than 60 different Indian languages spoken in the United States, and the only way some tribes have of communicating with other tribes is by signs there is also a great difference in the customs of the different indian tribes some are civilized and a few are still savage the savage indians who once lived east of the mississippi are now confined to some of the western reservations and are chiefly hunters and fishermen they farm but little and they still live in wigwams or tents made of bark or skins they move their camps from place to place and their chief wealth is in their cattle and horses. The savage Indians were in former times dangerous and cruel foes. They took delight in killing women and children. They hid behind rocks and bushes to fight. Still, when they were cornered, they would fight to the death. They used tomahawks to brain their victims and delighted in torturing their captives and in burning them at the stake. They scalped the men they killed in battle, that is, they cut a little piece of skin, about as big as a dollar out of the crown of the head of each man leaving the hair on so that they could tie it to their belts it was a great honor to a warrior to have taken many scalps all the indians are fond of children among the chippewas who live in minnesota the mother has the entire control of the children until they are almost grown the mother teaches the boys and girls to hunt and fish they are taught to paddle canoes and Chippewa boys and girls are always at their ease on the water. The children of this tribe choose their own names. When the child arrives at the age of twelve or thirteen, he finds some morning a bowl of charcoal placed before him instead of his regular food. The child at once knows what this means. It means that he must go off into the woods and fast. He remains in the woods until he falls asleep and if during his sleep he dreams of some animal he chooses the name of that animal for his own name and that animal is considered his best spirit girls and boys of this tribe are often married before they are fourteen and an indian usually chooses a good strong girl for his wife for the squaw does most of the work and a sickly girl is looked upon as being of little account among most of the indian tribes a brave has to pay a certain number of ponies for his wife but the girls have usually the right to choose whether they will be married or not among the osages who live in the indian territory when a man wants to marry he puts on his best clothes mounts his finest horse and rides about the girl's tent watching her day after day until she finally goes out and speaks to him if she does this he knows that she will accept him if he can pay the price to her father sometimes a man can get a good wife for two horses and a dozen skins but indian bells have been known to bring as much as two rifles thirteen horses and a gallon of whiskey in some parts of the southwest we shall find indians who have always lived in towns and whose forefathers were farmers long before columbus discovered america there are no queerer towns in the world than the pueblos or towns of the moqui indians in new mexico and arizona often you will see a little flat-topped hill rising seven or eight hundred feet above the rest of the country upon these the indians build their houses because there they are safe from wild animals and from their enemies they make the houses of stone or sun-dried bricks and they build one on top of the other in great terraces or steps so that you can climb from house to house on ladders in some of the pueblos there are no doors to the first house, and you have to go up a ladder and get on the roof before you can come to the ground floor. To get to the second house, you must enter from the roof of the first, and so on. The roofs of the lower houses form the playgrounds of the children above. Many of the pueblos have dogs and cats, and these animals, as well as the children, climb up and down ladders and steep stone steps, going with the greatest ease from roof to roof. Many of the Pueblo Indians are farmers. Some of them have large peach orchards surrounded by stone walls to keep out the sheep and goats. They raise apricots, watermelons, and also corn, beans, and pumpkins. They make blankets, baskets, and pottery, and they are in many ways quite civilized. The Navajo Indians have thousands of horses and hundreds of thousands of sheep they are rich indians and are industrious they live in little round huts made of poles covered with earth which have holes in the top for chimneys some most beautiful blankets are made by navajo squaws the blankets are woven by hand and often sell for as much as one hundred dollars apiece a large number of indians live in the indian territory this territory is one of the richest parts of the united states it was set aside for the indians more than fifty years ago and congress for a time hoped to make it the home of all the indians as it is now the best part of it is owned by the five civilized tribes these are the cherokees the chickasaws the choctaws the creeks and the seminoles these indians govern themselves and many of them are far more civilized than some of our white people they have beautiful houses and large and prosperous farms they have schools and churches and live much as we do the cherokees have an alphabet and their books and laws are printed in their own language at taliqua which is the capital of the nation a newspaper is published in cherokee many of the men of these civilized nations marry white women and the indian girls often marry white men some of the indians are very rich and it is only by intermarriage that the whites can get possession of their lands for by our laws no white man can buy land of the indians without permission of congress for a long time our government has been trying to civilize the savage indians upon every reservation is a government agent who gives the indians certain amounts of food clothes cattle and farming tools about two-thirds of all the indians are either wholly or partly supported by our government and the sums paid out for this purpose each year amount to millions of dollars. About one-third of the Indians support themselves, and all govern themselves under our laws. There are Indian schools on many of the reservations, and there are several large Indian colleges, such as we saw at Hampton, for the education of Indian boys and girls. Already a great many of the Indians have adopted the white man's clothing, and a large number of them are partly civilized. Many of them, however, prefer their savage ways and it will be a long time before they can be made to give up their lazy habits and earn their living by work as we do End of chapter thirty nine